Hello and welcome to the Be Better podcast where we believe every area of your life has a little more potential you can tap into and that it is completely possible and available for you to get a little bit better in every area of your life. I am your host, Clarissa Parody, and I have trained and worked in the world of business strategy, leadership, and performance. And I am the person who believes and creates success where there appears to be ceilings. We are so excited to have you here. And if you are the type of person who wants to get a little better, whether it's in your personal life, your professional life, your love life, you are in the right place. And we can't wait to have you join us. It is a great day to change your life. Let's go. Welcome back. Welcome back. And today we have a guest, this dear human, Rebecca Lidke. I'm going to read her bio because you're going to want to know about her. She is a wife, a mom, a pre and medical student, clinical exercise psychologist, and patient family advisor with the Stollery Children's Hospital in Edmonton, Alberta. She has a degree in clinical exercise physiology and is completing a second undergraduate degree in science with a major in biology and a minor in psychology with the goal of becoming a pediatric physician. Mind you, she is doing this while she has three little ones. Uh, And her middle child is currently battling cancer and on year three of chemotherapy treatment. This woman has a heart of gold and tenacity like none other. uh, They have been her source of inspiration in her life for pursuing and achieving her dreams. Rebecca also works on a variety of research projects for the Stollery Children's Hospital, Alberta Children's Hospital, and the University of Alberta. Pursuing challenging endeavors and setting her big, hairy, audacious goals as a part of Rebecca's daily life, she's in constant pursuit of becoming a better version of herself and developing her critical thinking, empathy, and advocacy. Having spent many days in the hospital, Rebecca's drive for health equity and transforming the patient and family experience has led her to advocacy and policy change to ensure the voices of patients and families are being heard. In addition, Rebecca loves to cycle using her passion to raise money for kids with cancer society. And for fun, Rebecca loves to run, bike, snowboard, hike, take long walks while listening to podcasts and ending the day off with a glass of wine. So if that doesn't tell you why this woman is on the Be Better podcast. I don't know what will. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Clarissa. I really appreciate it. It's really weird hearing someone else talk about it. It's humbling. It's humbling to hear someone else talk about you. So I thank you for that intro. I appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. And the truth is, you know, we go through life how often and we do the things and we get through day by day and we have adversity chucked our way and we just, we get through it we move through it. Sometimes we crumble, sometimes we get back up. And we don't always acknowledge all of the things that we've gone through or achieved. And because sometimes it doesn't feel like achievement. It just feels like getting through. And honestly, you're just such an inspiration. I've, I've known about you. And then I've known you for a few years. And I am just thrilled to see you continue to strive and, and change and challenge things in the way that you do. So I want to just jump into the juicy goods. Like you went, you have such an incredible journey and I would love to know, like you're here in this moment now, what got you here? What, what did Rebecca go through to get her here? Okay. So I think I'll just start at the beginning, uh, kind of going back to my childhood and, and where I was raised and how I was raised. So I was raised in a small town in BC. I grew up in an amazing family. There was four of us kids and and two parents. And uh, my parents worked really hard to ensure that we were provided for and that we were able to do everything that we possibly wanted to do. And and they made sure of that. And so I went to a really good high school. I had amazing teachers. I played every single sport imaginable, soccer, basketball, tennis, track, volleyball, you name it. I played it all. 
I was a very good student. I had amazing grades. I really didn't have a lot of adversity thrown my way in high school. I did suffer with disordered eating. I, I think that a lot of girls that age go through that, right? Where you're just, you're trying to strive for perfection. And it's something that I struggled with for many years, but really in the grand scheme of things, when I, when I look back at my childhood, it was, it was amazing. And uh, I, I distinctly remember in grade four, uh, my teacher asking what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was always really interested in the body. And so kinesiology, it was this new thing coming into the works at that time. And I told her that I wanted to be a kinesiologist and not a lot of people knew what that was, but I was really set on, set on hitting that goal of working in rehabilitation. And so I went through my high school years and I applied to university and I got accepted into UBC and UFC in Calgary and got a scholarship there. And I thought I would attend either, but I got the opportunity to go on a youth exchange program to Brazil. And so I decided to do that because I thought it was a really cool opportunity at 17 years old to completely uproot and go and live in a different country. So I did that. I, I remember, you know, packing my bags and for the first time leaving my parents and my family behind and I'd never been on a trip before like that by myself so I arrived in Brazil not knowing the language not knowing the family that I was living with really not knowing anything about Brazil and had to really immerse into the culture and this was a big period in my life I'm 17 I'm, I'm learning to function on my own and I think when you grow up, you're very socialized with what's around you, right? So your family teaches you things, your friends, your teachers, your peers, they, you, you get socialized to believe what you believe. But when you're away from that and you're by yourself, you start to question what you believe and you start to create and learn new things about yourself. So in that year, I did that and I decided that I was going to do something great in my life. And so uh, in, in Brazil, it was a great experience and I got to learn so much and I, and I learned the language within a couple months. And yeah, I know your, your mouth drops, but I didn't even think that I could do it. But when you're placed in a culture and no one speaks English to you, you figure it out. You figure it out <laughs> really fast. <laughs> so yeah, so I got home from Brazil. I was uh, turning 18 at the time. I went to university right away and got into clinical exercise physiology. And I started learning about the body. And it was something that I was really interested in. So while I was going to university, I'm learning about all these things. And I really wanted to apply these things to clients. But I wasn't certified in anything yet. And Basically, a, a lot of people's goals, once, once they're out of university in this program, they start doing training and rehabilitation. But I wanted to be one step ahead of my peers. And so in my first year, I became certified as a personal trainer and group fitness instructor so that as I'm learning these things in university, I could apply them right away to a client. So I did that throughout my four years of university. And as I learned new things, I got to apply them to clients. And I got to work with uh, patients in motor vehicle accidents, working with in rehabilitation, sports specific training. The list was endless. And it was really cool because 
I could speak on the training side of it all and, and use the knowledge that I was learning throughout my four years. And so after university, I got married within a week of graduation. Oh my God. Yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. I met my husband uh, in my second year. So we got married and started a life together. And with, when I was still in school, I, I did a practicum and got offered a job. So worked in rehabilitation right after I graduated university. And I was working specifically with brain injured patients. And when you're 23 years old working with brain injured patients, it's really hard because you take things so personally. I, I would show up to sessions and a patient wouldn't be there or they would come and they would be in a mood and they would swear at me or yell at me and I was there to rehab them. And it, it really took a toll on, on my emotions and on my mental health. And I did that for a little bit. And then I decided, you know what, I, I need to take a break from this and I need to, you know, shift a little bit more into the corporate world. I did management in gyms and uh, worked uh, training trainers and teaching classes and still doing uh, rehabilitation, but not so much in the, on the brain injury side. So after I did that and uh, got married, I had a baby <laughs> and uh, had a, a, our daughter named Taya. She's, she's eight now. And that was a big change for me. And I took a year of mat leave off. But in that year, our family, and sorry if I get emotional because I do, I'm an emotional human being. So you can cry with me as well. Perfect. <laughs> I will. I brought tissues. <laughs> just in case <laughs> our family our extended my my family we experienced um, a pretty severe tragedy uh, my little brother was involved in a really bad car accident and I get emotional because it brings up so much in me um, so I was the first point of contact when my little brother was involved in a car accident he was t-boned uh, the person driving was going really fast and he was at a standstill and he was in Ontario at the time visiting his girlfriend at the time and I received the phone call from the sergeant saying that he had been in a severe car accident he was in critical condition and that we needed to get to Ontario as fast as we could my parents were in Mexico at the time and they, we couldn't get a hold of them and so me my older brother and my older sister we had to make some decisions for my little brother in that time and it was hard it was hard being a 26 year old making decisions for your little brother and and really hard decisions medically so I I we arrived in Ontario really fast and my little brother he had no brain activity he was basically on life support and uh, they did some surgeries to relieve the swelling in his brain and mir miraculously he uh, got brain activity within four days. Wow. It was a stressful journey. It was really hard on my family and he is forever changed because of that accident. And I am forever changed um, because of that accident. So it was really interesting being on because years prior, I was the rehab side of a brain injury and now being a sibling side of a brain injury it really brought up that empathetic side of me. Right. And so just seeing it from that perspective, 
um, started to spark a little bit of interest in brain injury and in, in the medical side of things instead of just the rehabilitation side of, of things. So that was a pretty pivotal moment for me in, in my journey. So after that all happened, we were living in Edmonton, my husband, Bryce and I, and our daughter, Taya, and I decided that I would go back into fitness because I had taken some time off. And I went around to different fitness studios and tried different classes, but nothing really seemed to stick for me. And you know how it is, right? You, you kind of date instructors. I'm sure you've done that before. Oh my God. All the time. I'm like, mm, I'll come back to you. Yeah. Right. Not you. <laughs> Go to a class and you know, you enjoy the instructor because of who they are, how they teach the class, their program layout, the music that they choose, their motivation factor. And I tried so many studios and so many classes and nothing was appealing to me. I would leave the class and I would be really, really critical of the instructor in a good way. But, um, I noticed that I, I didn't fit anywhere. Mm. And then I thought to myself, I kind of had a light bulb moment. I said, if I can't find a studio that I want to work in, why don't I train instructors the way that they should be trained? Because at that time, it was really easy to become a personal trainer or a group fitness instructor. You just did a day course and you are set free to teach class. And to me, that didn't make much sense. I had already seven or eight years of experience teaching. I was teaching, you know, 10 classes a week, multiple clients. I had a lot of experience underneath my belt and a lot of good mentors teaching me how to teach uh, good classes. And so I just saw this big gap in the market. Mm. And at that time, boutique fitness studios were the new thing in Alberta and across Canada. And so I decided to start my own business and I just, it grew organically. I told myself, I'm not going to push this. I'm not going to go to studios and, and prove myself to them. I'm just going to let the business come to me and I'm going to uh, do the best that I can to to show them that um, they they need good trained instructors for their studios. So business started coming in and I worked with new studios opening up. So I would help them with their business development and their concept for instructors. I would help them create their instructor muse and then I would create their instructor training programs. And that went from you know teaching anatomy and physiology to music selection to class development uh, to specific injuries that they need to look out for to voice projection all the things that make up a class that people don't really think about you know people think that teaching a class is really easy but it actually is really hard and it takes a lot of work so I would develop this for studios and I would train their instructors and so I did this for about five years and I've probably trained around. I'm just going to pause you for a second. She did yeah. this for five years after she had a baby. So she launched a business yeah. with a baby. Like, so if, if for anyone who's running into the, can I do it? Like what I really heard in your speaking is that you're like, okay, well, there's a gap and I can fill it. And you made the decision that it's going to come, it's going to work and it's come, it's going to come organically. So for those of you listening, like listen for those freaking gold nuggets. Oh my God. Okay. Continue. Sorry. I had to. No, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think because I, I didn't want to go back working a 40 hour week, right? I wanted to raise my daughter 
at home and be a stay-at-home mom. And I saw this business as an opportunity for me to be able to stay at home, work when she's napping, and then be away on weekends and train instructors on weekends. And my husband was so supportive, supportive of this. And I would be gone a lot of weekends and he would take the reins as, as parent on the weekends. But it was a really cool thing to be able to balance both as a parent. And so, yeah, like you said, I just, I pursued it organically and just word of mouth. And I, I've been able to train around 250 instructors within those five years. And it's really cool because I remember being trained myself as a group fitness instructor and feeling that sense of pride at the end. You know, you go into a weekend thinking there's no way that I could develop a class and teach a whole class in a microphone. Right. No way. Right. And then just being on the other side and training those instructors and seeing the fear in their eyes as they walk into a training weekend, <laughs> thinking there's no way I'm doing this. Like I would have people say I'm leaving today and I would convince them to stay. And then by the end of their training, you know, after let's say around 40 hours, I would usually do for instructors they would confidently teach a class. And so it was really cool just seeing people achieve these goals and, and me just being a part of that process. It's so like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt again. Okay. So she decided what she valued, which was raising, she wanted to be present for her daughter while she was young and, and create an income that, that made sense, like some kind of financial contribution to the family. And then she goes and creates a business that where she teaches instructors. So her impact, okay, there's 250 students she taught, but think about how many classes, those 250 people taught. So your impact doesn't always, it's not always measurable immediately. And, and the reach, the trickle effect, the, the butterfly effect, the ripple effect outward is just tremendous. So wherever you feel like it may not be possible. And it sounded like she had a champion. Bryce sounded like he was a big supporter. Oh, hundred percent. And, and sometimes it only takes one other person to say, Hey, let's go. And sometimes that one other person is you, cause you have to have the courage to say the idea to begin with. And then having one champion, one person in your corner to hold space for you to do that. Look what was possible. Look what was possible. Okay. Sorry. Continue. No, that's good. It's, it's so true. Like I don't give him enough credit, but he really goes with what I, (laughs) I create and he's been such an amazing supporter for me. And, and just to believe that this could be a cool business to do and a profitable business and that, I could use my creative side and all my education to pour into this business. He, he was a true, like you said, a true champion. And so, yeah, I, I did that for about five years. And in that five year span, I had a lot of other things happen in my life too. And so the first big thing that happened was that we got pregnant again and we actually lost that baby. And it was a a big series of events. Uh, he was born early due to genetic anomalies. And so we lost him. And that really, really changed me. Uh, holding a dead child in your hands after you birthed him is very, it's, it, it's, it was pivotal for me. I have a different perspective on life because of it. Mm-hmm. And so after losing Jude, we got pregnant again with our other little guy, Levi. And all in that time, I would take the good six to eight weeks off and then work in between in that time. And then we also had another baby, Parker, and he was our last little guy. So in that five year span of, of business, I had a few children and, uh, and, uh, and worked between, and I've been so blessed 
to be able to work with businesses in Western Canada. It's been so cool to hop over provinces and work in different provinces and for people to trust me with their business. People are putting their livelihood on the line to open up a business and to trust this random person to come in and and hope that they will that I will produce uh, good instructors for them so that their business can thrive was was very cool. Like I'm, I, I am truly blessed in that. That's amazing. And uh, I've been to some of the classes for the instructors that you've taught and good job. <laughs> good job. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it, it's really cool going into a class now. Like I, I, I go and see instructors that I, I can think back to them coming into training and, and they were scared and, and now they're just, they're thriving. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, they got this. And, you know, I can go in and shut my brain off and, and do a class and, and uh, see the, the product of, of the training and the work. So, so good. Yeah. So in that five years, I, I had that business and then had, had a few children. And then just recently I have, I, I felt this urge that I wanted more mm. because it's not that I was stagnant in my business. I just got to this point where I wasn't feeling very challenged and because of my little brother's accident and having that little spark of possibly being interested in the medical side of things. And then after losing our son, Jude, I started getting interested in genetics and in disease and pathology. And then our, our last thing that we've encountered most recently within the last three years was our, our son Levi was diagnosed with cancer. And I could talk about this for hours, but I'll kind of just bring it in, you know, into a short span. But through a series of events, I found bumps on his head and was turned away from a couple of physicians. And then in the end, he ended up having emergency neurosurgery where a tumor was taken out and a portion of his skull was taken out. And he was diagnosed with a cancer called Langerhans cell histiocytosis. And he was placed on chemotherapy, uh, a long round, 12 weeks of chemo. And in that time, he grew seven tumors. And then he was tested for a genetic mutation within the tumor itself. And he tested positive for that. And then he was placed on other medication that seemed to work. And then just recently in July, the uh, tumors came back. And now we're on our third line of treatment. And he actually today is just starting his seventh round of chemotherapy. And so this inkling that I had to maybe go into something in medicine kind of really got that light bulb moment when Levi was diagnosed. And I, for me, it was a no brainer. I was like, I, I think I need to do this. I think I need to pursue something more. And so because I had been at, at, out of university for so long, and I've been 10 years, I'm really dating myself here. Uh, I decided to start another undergrad degree. So I went and I applied for an undergrad in science and I'm doing that currently. I'm just finishing my second year. And the reason why I'm doing that is I want to up my GPA to have a better chance of applying to medical school and just to get my mind back in the game of writing papers and doing tests and brains a muscle. It might be fatty, but it's a muscle. You got to flex that, that flex thing. That, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
So I'm currently doing that. And honestly, it's, I love school. It's been a therapeutic thing for me, especially in Levi's treatment to have something for myself and to not only just resonate on, on his chemotherapy and his, and his cancer treatment, I've been able to focus on school and have something for myself. And so I'm currently doing that. And with my business because of the pandemic and um, just the way I'm kind of shifting more into the medical side. I've just been able to slowly uh, get out of the business and I'm doing a little bit here and there just to tie up things. Um, but I'm, I'm pursuing medicine now. So that's my goal. Lessons from Rebecca. When you feel like it's time to shift, just trust it. <laughs> like your, your progress. It sounded like you were, you're motivated by challenge and progress, uh, or it's, it seems like that fills you in some way. Like it feels good to be stretched a little. And, yeah. and I, I don't think it's even a stretch. Like I, I think for myself, it's more trying to do the impossible. Oh yeah. That's good. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I, I had this idea in my head that to be a physician, you have to be a genius. Right. And yes, you have to be smart and you have to be able to apply yourself and put in the work to become a physician. Right. But anyone can do it. You just have to have the desire and the will to do it. Right. And so all through my life, I've just felt like w- there could be more, there could be more that I could be doing. So why not just do it? And if I fail, that's okay. Because I failed many times in my life and the failure just makes me want to do things even better and, and greater. And so, yeah, I do. I thrive off that impossible feeling and I thrive off of a little bit of, I feel like I can't. So I'm going to prove to myself that I can. That is pretty special. That's a special trait to have. There are so many people who are like, it's impossible. So I'm just not going to try. So this is, this is learnings that you like, if you're listening and you're one of those people who says, you know, it's impossible. So I'm not going to try. Like you could see it something, you could see it differently. You could try something else. Yeah. And I think a lot of people too, they, they start university thinking they're, they're going to stay in the same career, right? They've chosen something. They're going to stay in it for the rest of their life. Whereas for me, I chose a degree knowing that I could do other things and mm-hmm. I could with the interests and what's going on in my life. So for myself, because of the things that have happened in my life, you know, my little brother in his car accident, losing a baby, our son being diagnosed with cancer. My daughter actually had a cancer scare as well. In that time, I felt this nudge to pursue something more. And I don't know about you, but when I feel a nudge, I can't push it away. I can't deny the nudge. And even if it feels impossible or, or even if it feels like it's too much work, I have to pursue it or it just bugs me. And, and I, I know that people know that feeling of the nudge. Oh my so. God. Right. And what you don't get, it sounds like you don't get caught up in the how you don't get caught up with like, how am I going to do this? How is this going to happen? How is this going to work? How much work? How am I going to balance a degree in kids? It sounds like you're like, I just felt the nudge <laughs> and there, and it's, yeah. and it sits there and, and, you know, there are a lot of people I'm, I've been at the effect of the how as well being like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And sometimes you just go regardless of the unknown of the how. Yes. Because I have every odd against me. I have a son who's in cancer treatment. Yep. I have two other children. I'm in my mid thirties. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in school in 10 years. I am a, you know, quote unquote mature student. So mm. all these things are stacked up against me. But if I can manage my time well, 
and I put in the consistent work, I can do it. And I can, even if it feels impossible, I can do it. And that, and I know for myself, I'm not guaranteed to get into medical school. I can do all the things to get there. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get accepted, that's okay. I, I will pursue other avenues of medicine, but just the idea of trying makes me so excited. And I would kick myself if I didn't try, you know, you have those goals where you're like, I'm not going to do it because I can't do it and I'm going to fail. So I'm just not going to try. And it just eats at you. I don't want that to happen when I'm 50, 60 years old myself. I wish I would have pursued this. Right. And like, I mean, people say it all the time, but age is just a number. There are people who are running their first marathon at 60. So to, for Rebecca to have all those odds stacked against her and still be able to say, I choose to do this because I feel the nudge, the push, the pull, mm-hmm. uh, is pretty powerful. And you, you can be your own worst obstacle, right? Your mind is your, you can get in the, in the way. And one of the conversations Rebecca and I've had before is about motivation versus desire. And because I asked Rebecca, I was like, how do you, how do you go? How do you get through your day? So I'll let you speak to that. Like, how do you keep going? Like, how do you keep going? What is it that keeps you opening the books and feeding the kids and, and supporting Levi and being a great wife? Like, how do you keep going? I think a lot of people put a label on me that I'm a motivated person because of the accomplishments that I've had in my life and I'm an athlete and I always do races and I've always pursued things like that. And so they think that I'm highly motivated, but there's a difference between motivation and being consistent. So for the only way I can really explain this is if I, I give you an example. So let's say I'm, I'm an outdoor cyclist and if I want to increase my speed, let's say I'm, I'm averaging 27 kilometers an hour. Okay. If I want to increase my speed to 29 kilometers an hour, that's my goal, right? That's where I want to hit. I I aspire to do that. So I need to take the necessary steps to get there. I'm not motivated by that goal though. I get motivated when I start to see results. Mm. So I hop on my bike every single day. I go and I hit the pavement. Some days I may see some result. I may get to 27 and a half kilometers an hour. I may get to 28 kilometers an hour, but there also are going to be some days that I'm at 25 or 26 kilometers an hour that I don't see progress, but it's those everyday steps that I take and the consistency within those steps that I start to see some results. And those results are what motivate me to reach my end goal of hitting 28 kilometers an hour. So the motivation isn't the factor that gets me there. It's the consistency. And I, I have the power of consistency in my life. I've been consistent in all, I try to be consistent in all areas of my life. I actually, I was texting a friend the other day and she, she was saying, Oh, I don't feel like you work out anymore because I don't get the ding on my, my iPod, my Apple watch. Uh, that you've worked out because I don't have it connected to anyone. And I texted her and I said, I work out almost every day. I move my body almost every day. And it's something that I've done since I was 15 years old. I haven't gone more than three days besides being postpartum of not working out because I'm consistent in it because it's a priority to me. And so if a goal or a dream is a priority to you, you will take those steps and be consistent within your actions to get to that goal. 
So it's not the motivation for me. It's the want and the desire to hit those goals. I love it. And you know, you said something that I was like, wow, this is something that I, I can remember learning a few years ago, maybe, maybe longer than a few years ago. That's a blur the last 10 years. I don't know what happened, but it, when you say you don't have time for something, the question you have to ask yourself is, can you say, this is not a priority for me? So I can remember feeling like I'm in school, I'm working three jobs. I don't have time to work out. And someone says, you don't have time or it's not a priority. It was like, hot damn. It's not a priority changing that right now. And I was like, oh my gosh. So every area in your life, it's clear what's a priority. Cause that's what gets attention. That's what gets the energy. That's what gets the focus. And, and you make time for it. It's, it sounds like too. So your consistency shows up now. What, what got you to consistency? Was there like a level of discipline? Was it a choice? Like what, what has you, what has, like, it sounds like consistency is your superpower and amen to that. Uh, tell me a little bit more about how you got to that place of consistency. I think growing up playing sports really made me a disciplined person, right? Because I, I played so many sports growing up and you have to be consistent with showing up to practice and making sure that you're doing your training and making sure that you're eating right that that made me disciplined and to want to get better because you can see improvement in sport. Let's say you're trying to be a better basketball player. If you work at lunchtime to work, you know, throwing, shooting hoops and trying to get better in that, you will see the result within your games. So that really growing up in that area really helped me with that consistency factor. I also think just the way I was raised, like my parents just always told me that if you want to do something, just go for it. Right. So uh, having the, the support in my life has helped me achieve goals. And I do have to also say that my community has stepped up so much in, in the last couple of years. I can't even tell you what people do for us. I will get random texts saying there's a meal at your door. I will have people pick up my kids from school. I will have people drop off money for Levi's medications. I will have people bring us groceries. Like it's, it is astounding what my community, our community does for our family. And without our community, I would not be able to do the things that I'm doing. I would not be able to be consistent in what I'm doing. And because of them, the people that are in our life and, and, and hug us and embrace us and surround us, I can do those things, right? I can study and write papers because someone else is picking up my kid from school. Right. I can, I can do an exam because my husband's at the hospital with my child in chemotherapy, right? I don't have to make dinner because someone else made it for me so that I can hang out with my kids and be there for him. So I give a huge shout out to my community and I don't thank them enough. And I try to, and I, I hope that this will, this will even give them a little bit of praise, but my community has really helped me be consistent within my life and to be able to reach my goals. That's amazing. Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to zoom out. I'm just going to chop up what you said uh, for, so for, for those of you who are looking to create discipline and consistency in your life, it sounds like Rebecca started with a schedule. So with all of her sports, there was, there was times to be there, times to show up. It was in the calendar. It was happening. And that practice became something really critical. And the other things that it really showed up. I mean, the last thing we talked about was community. So having that group of people that are supported that support you. And if you don't know how to create a community, one thing that I noticed that you do really well, Rebecca, is you share, like you're pretty open. I have followed along with Levi's story and your family story through social media. And some people 
you know, maybe aren't as open about that on a, a digital platform. Uh, however, there are ways you can share what's going on for you. And when people, when you share what's happening in your life, people have, they're like, wow, I want to be a part of that. And they, you're enrolled in the vision of what's possible. So Rebecca has this tremendous amount of empathy. She's witnessed the patient side of things. She's witnessed the sibling side of things. Now it's on her family in her own son's life. And she's like, I need to be a difference maker, a way maker in this realm, in this world. How can I show up? And when people talk about it, it's what has people be like, Rebecca, tell me, tell me your story. Oh my gosh. I look forward to her stories, whether it's good or bad news. I just want to know what's going on. People are pulled along. And the other thing you said was the progress. Uh, so noticing incremental differences. I, I do have a question for you though. So for people who are trying to get into that world of consistency and discipline and building community, and they hit a wall where they're like, there's no progress and, and they just want to like sit down, cross their arms and be like, I give up, I surrender. Uh, what are, what are some things you do to get back up? Yeah. I've hit a wall many, many times. <laughs> I know when I've hit a wall, when I'm, when I'm irritable, when I feel mm. off, when I'm highly emotionally driven mm. <laughs> and when I have no patience. So those, the small things that I've done when I've noticed that I've hit a wall is going back to the things that I know that are true to me. So for me, moving my body has been a huge thing. For me, I, I exercise or I, I move my body in some way to realign my thoughts. I also listen to my body. And mm -hmm. I know this is quite counterintuitive within this world of, of goal setting and achieving goals, because I used to think that in order to be successful, I needed to do the same things every day. Mm. So I needed to, you know, wake up at 6 a.m., do my workout, have my green smoothie, make sure I have four liters of water a day, you know, the check the list off. But in, in my maturity, I have noticed that listening to my body and doing what's right in that season has helped me achieve more than just following the list. Right. So for example, if last season of my life, when it was a little bit easier, I would wake up at 6am and work out. Cool. Right now, that's not for me. And in order for me to be successful on the day, I need to sleep in and I need to have nine hours of sleep a night. And so I push till 730 and my kids are running and asking for breakfast. Right. Or if it means that I don't have that green smoothie or I, you know, I don't do those more healthier things in that moment, that's okay. Cause that's what my body needs in that moment to see success. So I'm, I'm listening to myself a little bit more and I'm mm. to what feels right for me. And there are a few things that have been steady throughout my life, like moving my body. And most recently it's seeing a psychologist as well and talking things out when I've hit, when I've hit that wall. And so, yeah, for me, it's not a clear cut answer. It's just listening and going with my intuition and what I feel is right in the moment. And then just being persistent and remembering what the end goal is to, and knowing that I still have to continue doing those things every single day. I love that. I've like, with to your point with seasons, I I'm now trying to work on 90 day cycles. Like, mm -hmm can I do this for 90 days? And it's not, not listening to my body. It's what does my body need right now? Uh, right now in my season, I need stillness. I need quietude. I need, <laughs> I need simplicity. So my, th this last 30 days looks different than before Christmas, which was when I was doing 75 hard, because that's what my body needed. I was 
there's things that fell off the wagon for me. And I need, I was like, what water? I only drink coffee. And you know, there was things I needed to reset. But now that that habit's back in place and that discipline's in place, like Rebecca said, going back to what's true to you, which is move your body every day. What does my body need right now? So that somatic decision-making being like, okay, today an avocado is not the answer today. Like I, I, I'm all, I'm with you on the, like, be more in tune with what is, but if you're just starting out sometimes, you know, do what you got to do. Like if, if you're, if your basic pattern is you can't even drink a liter of water yet, just try to, how close can you get? How close can you get? Because that those habits, the, the healthy habits that come in, I say healthy, what supports your best possible outcome? What is tied to that long-term vision or goal? What will get you that two millimeters closer can be really, really powerful. And it, and it allows you to stay on track, even when it's a day where it's like, well, today went completely sideways and I'm going to offer myself grace because me sitting in resentment, frustration, and bitterness is literally not going to make me a nicer person tomorrow. And I'll just derail myself even further. Right. So that's real. It's yeah, it's really powerful. And, and I mean, I think in my youth, I was so driven by my calendar. Like mm-hmm. if you, <laughs> I talked about this in one of my other podcasts, like if you messed up my calendar, may blessings be upon you. The wrath of God is about to be unleashed. <laughs> like I, I, I was like, I'm sorry for who I was for most of my life. Um, but, but it's it, true though, like being flexible is really big too, because I, yeah. I myself, I'm a type A personality. I like to get stuff done and it's on my schedule, but have, <laughs> <laughs> I understand <laughs> having a child that's in the medical world. You have to be flexible, right? Totally. You have to be okay with somebody else dictating your life and you have to roll with the punches. Yeah. One thing that I do that I, I, that I just thought of is I, for example, in school, if I know that I want to finish a class by a certain time, I count backwards. Mm, Work backs. Yeah. So if I, if I have, I, I schedule my exam for the end of the month, and I have three assignments and two quizzes or whatever, then I try to schedule when those assignments can be, um, can, I can complete them. And then that kind of gives me a little bit of a, a pattern to follow throughout the month. And if I get derailed, that's okay. Right. Because life gets in the way and I might have an appointment or I might have, you know, my, my kid doesn't feel good that day and I might not be able to get something done, but I, I have that backwards working through the month so that I can get to that end goal. And then you can shift that. Like I've had last semester, I had to shift many, many weeks, but at least I had a framework to follow. And then I felt a little bit more in control with the outcome. Totally. That can happen with anything, right? If you're, if you want to do a marathon, which I've done a marathon before. And I, I said, okay, that's the day that I'm running my marathon and I have to go work backwards and then see where, what I need to do to get there right? Absolutely. Medical school, right? Like I'm applying in September. So what do I have to do? I have to make sure I'm done school. I need to do my MCAT. I have to get all my references ready. Right. So that working backwards really, really works for me because then I can then checklist and be like, okay, I need to get this, 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 this done. And you give yourself enough time instead of just saving it to the last few days. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people who work really well under pressure. I work in an industry where pressure is like the, the, the way we work. <laughs> so, and it doesn't, and it doesn't always feel good, but what, what, what I love that you're pointing to is, you know, what are all of the must do's in order to get to that September marker? What are the must do's and how much time do I want to give myself to that? Cause the truth is if you needed to pump it out in four weeks and that was absolutely what had to happen, you could probably do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could probably do it, but is that the way you really want to, it, it's going to cost something. There's going to be a price you pay somewhere. And so that work back 
gives you that, that pathway. And that way you can kind of have an idea, like how derailed am I? Do I need to create more space? Do I need to ask for more support? And it gives you a vision. It doesn't mean it's going to come exactly like that, but we know that the ultimate goal is applying in September. Mm -hmm. So despite the circumstances, despite the adversities, despite the to-dos, what are, at least that way you can kind of have an idea of what is going to do. When I was doing my master's, one of the craziest exercises we did, because I think I was so, I was, I was so regimented and just not, I wasn't tapped into creativity at that moment, which is crazy because for those of you who know me in my younger years, I was all artsy. That's all I did. (laughs) And so to come to this, like I work in spreadsheets world is bananas, but they had us do this 22 or 28 by 33 sheet of paper. And we were given markers and they're like, okay, you're here. Your master's graduation is here. What is everything you need to hit? And we did a, like a visual map of what needs to happen. And although it wasn't completely on a calendar, we put target deadlines and I thought it was the stupidest activity I've ever done. And then I found myself posting that giant piece of paper in my office and being like, Hey, we got here. And it, and although the progress, it was incremental, but I could see the whole journey. I could see all of it and being like, okay, I at least submitted my ethics form. <laughs> like it was crazy, but it, it really does help. So if maybe you can't do the whole calendar thing, try the whole, what's the end goal and where am I at right now? And the other thing that is, that's called is can, it can be creative tension. So you have these two things mm-hmm. that are pulled apart, but it acts like a rubber band and you can kind of bring yourself a little closer and it might get wibbly wobbly. You might need to restretch it, but at least it gives you this visual pathway of what it will take to get you there. I am so excited. I like, I don't know how I can raw, raw more for you, but that September deadline, you let me know if you need more energy balls, bites, kids picked up. I'm here for you. Which, you know, we're so delicious. Oh man. I, <laughs> I do. Okay. I, I'm going to give you an example as well. Yeah, please. So just with, with something that occurred that I had to shift that map. Mm. So I was actually planning on applying to medical school last September. Okay. Got it. Because our son was doing really well and he was in remission. Right. So I was, you know, I'd finished my semester of school. I was doing my MCAT. I was ready to apply. And then in July, he had a PET scan and his tumors returned. Mm. And of course I had that juvenile moment of, you know, why me? This sucks. I want to start pursuing my goals. I had to shift myself and know that in a year I could apply. So that just shows you that even if you have that end goal, you can be derailed. And for me, it was a derail of a year in something really, really hard. And he was placed in a way harder round of, of chemo. And it's been very, very difficult few months, but I then had to rework it. Okay. Next, next year, that's when I'm going to apply. I'm going to do one more year of school. Maybe I'll get more volunteering in. Maybe I'll get more opportunities to work within the hospital, I use that derail for the good instead of feeling sorry for myself. And yes, I sat in feeling sorry for myself for a good solid day, but then I chose to see it as an opportunity to be able to do more things and to get more experience to make me a better applicant. Amazing. Like stuff's going to hit the fan. It's oh, yeah. gonna, like it, stuff hits the fan all the time. That's kind of life throws curveballs. I like saying life lifes you and Instead, and you're allowed to have the feelings. Like, it's not to say that, you know, all you need is tenacity and grit. You're also allowed to be human. So letting yourself feel the feels and be like, this sucks. Why me? My poor kid. I had a goal. And now he, and and like, also like, I'm sure there's like stuff in them in between being like, okay, well, what about my other kids? And you have all these pressures in on you. And, and instead of being like, well, that must mean it's a sign that I'm not supposed to do this. 
you, the question, it sounds like you asked yourself is how can I see this differently? How can I see this as an opportunity? How can I make the most out of this? Even though like, how can I silver lining this despite the fact that it's not great news? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is powerful. Like that. That that happens a lot, right? Like if you're not, if you're not hitting your goal, like you had planned, Oh, maybe it is a sign that I'm not supposed to do this. Right. Absolutely not. It just means that there, there has to, there other things have to happen in order for you to get there. Yeah. It's not going to be in your timing. It's in a different timing, a different timing that you don't have planned, but it's still going to happen. It just means that you have to shift and be flexible and still maintain consistency. Absolutely. Oh my God. That is such a beautiful way to end this. Okay. So before we take off, I'm going to ask you the closer questions. Mm. You talked a little bit about what has, you knowing you go off course, what are there anything? And we talked about the bounce back coming back to reality. So if you were to give people any tips or tricks on tuning in with when they're off course and how to get back in, what is something you would let the people know? Ooh, I think that being able to pivot and be flexible is a really big thing and to not get stuck on what you think is right or what you think should happen. Right. I think that, like I said before, staying consistent, being consistent is huge because it, it brings you closer to your dreams and your goals. And even though staying consistent is hard and it takes work, Mm. you can reach that impossible by staying true to yourself and your desires and your beliefs. And I also think that facing hardship shouldn't derail your dreams. I think it's really easy to get stuck on how hard life is Mm. and life is hard for a lot of people, but it's what you do with those hardships that that'll bring you closer to your dreams. And so, yeah, I just, I hope that people when they hear this story and they hear about my life, that they can leave feeling a little bit inspired to get into something that they want to, that they've always wanted to do. And that if somebody like me who has a lot of stuff going on can do it, then they can do it too. And they may even have more stuff going on, Mm -hmm. but doing those small little things, like I said before, will help them reach their goals. Amazing. Listen to the nudges, stay consistent, be willing to be agile and pivot. And what is your long-term desire? Connecting with that, understanding what'll pull you forward. That is incredible. Rebecca, what a pleasure and a privilege to have you for this conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. And we honored the time limit. That is remarkable. For those of you who are interested in following Rebecca, I will link her Instagram in the show notes, as well as this description for the YouTube summary. And you're welcome to follow along. She's a pretty freaking inspirational human. And that is all for today on the Be Better podcast. Thank you again, Rebecca. Thank you. Have an outstanding day. If this podcast has landed with you, served you, provided value, or you believe you know someone that it will do that for, please share it, leave a review. Uh, This really tells people what it's about and what they can get from it. And it gives the platforms an indication of whether or not it's serving people in the way that it's intended to. Thank you again so much. I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care.